We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight, we are here to recap day one of NFL Free Agency. Yes, for those who don't know, NFL Free Agency is technically slated to begin Wednesday, but with the new rules, you can open the negotiating tampering window, as they call it, the legal tampering window. Opens up today. It opened up at 12 p.m. We didn't see the normal flurry of deals I expected, Nick, but there was a lot going on in today's free agency. So we're going to talk about a slew of things. We're going to talk about the markets that developed at each position and what that means to us. We're going to talk about the Giants day one, which included two signings from outside of the organization and multiple re-signings. We're also going to discuss maybe players on the Giants right now who we now feel a little bit less confident will be coming back to the team and re-signing with the team. But maybe start here, Nick. What was maybe your biggest surprise of day one? It doesn't have to just be Giants. Just overall, what was maybe your biggest surprise of day one? I don't know if it's my biggest surprise, Dan, but it seems like the linebacker market was pretty robust. And we have discussed pretty extensively on this podcast how the linebacker position is kind of like the running back position right now. It's a bit devalued. But we saw the Chicago Bears go out and sign two of the desires of the New York Giant fans, right? With TJ Edwards, which was a hell of a deal for the Chicago Bears. And then Tremaine Edmonds, who I think got like 70 million with like 50 million guaranteed. I don't think Joe Shane was going to fork up that kind of dough for Tremaine Edmonds. But we also saw David Long go to a, with a solid deal to the Miami Dolphins. We started seeing linebackers fly off the board pretty early and it got me a little nervous. It got a lot of Giants fans pretty nervous. But then the Giants went and they signed Bobby Okereke, a 26-year-old free agent from the Indianapolis Colts, former Stanford Cardinal. And I'm pleased with that signing. I think the Giants got the second-level defender that they've been desperately looking for for years now. Yeah, I think that was a good point. I mean, the linebacker market was more robust than people think. Also, it was kind of all over the place, like you said. I mean, you had Tremaine Edmonds getting a massive deal. You had TJ Edwards getting a smaller deal than some people expected. Uh, Maybe, you know, that had to do some at least with – him not having the market people expected some may be some people may feel like he was a bit of a product of that team playing behind that defensive line it's hard to say but then we also saw David Long a player who has been phenomenal when healthy but has had injury issues go for a very cheap deal almost like a prove it deal and then finally Okereke but Okereke is it Okereke yeah that's how I pronounce it yeah Okereke I believe when it, when he was drafted when he was drafted, it was Okariki, but then I thought I heard somebody no, it's say not Okariki. Yeah. That's what everyone referred to him as though during the the draft process. But I think in recent years he's corrected people and said it was Okarake. And I feel like that just sounds so much better. But not even just Karake. those ones that we brought up. Like Alex Singleton got right. like 18 million on a three-year deal. Like linebackers that we didn't necessarily expect to come away with almost $20 million contracts signed for multiple years. They were signed. So it says something about the linebacker market. And I think what it's saying to me, at least from a takeaway standpoint, is the NFL is correcting itself on the linebacker market. They're understanding the value of this position and what it means to a defense. On the flip side, the NFL corrected itself the other way on the wide receiver market. We didn't see a single one of these free agent wide receivers, Darius Slayton included from the Giants, get signed today. They're waiting it out. This market is simmering. You know, it's uh, it's the opposite of, yeah, it's simmering right now. Um, It's not that hot. And 
I'm not surprised about that, really, because I think something had to give after last offseason with the Christian Kirk contract, with all the new deals from the trades. Something had to give there. They couldn't it couldn't continue in that direction. And so that was a bit surprising to me. Now, let me get your thoughts, Nick, on your overall feelings with how the Giants approach day one of free agency and, and your overall your 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 thoughts on that. I was pleased, Dan. I mean, I saw on Twitter I mean, a lot of Giant fans. And if you're listening, that. That's cool. Like I have nothing against you, but I feel like a lot of people were like jumping off the bridge when they saw TJ Edwards, when they saw Tremaine Edwards, when they saw a lot of these names that we've been discussing over the last several weeks come off the board. But I was like, look, the Giants are going to build this team through the draft. Joe Shane has said that on multiple occasions. We have brought that up several times on this podcast, and we are going to build through the draft, and we are just looking for competent players to replenish this roster. We were a little uncertain if Joe Shane was going to spend big. It does not appear like he is going to spend big. But in day one, he went out and he added a very important depth piece to the interior defensive line in Raheem Nunez Roches, who is a 29-year-old who was with the Chiefs. And then he went to the Buccaneers. He was like a six-round pick back in 2015 out of like Southern Miss. He's somebody that I've always, I've seen him and I've always respected him. And then just talking with people who were affiliated with the Tampa Bay program, a lot of respect, like John Ledyard heaped praise on him as, as a leader kind of reminds us maybe a little bit of like a Jihad Ward type It's kind of the feel that I'm getting. And just through the film that I've seen, very pleased with him as that third rotational defensive lineman behind Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, who will start in base personnel when the Giants do employ base personnel. For me, this was like an 8.9 type of day out of Joe Shane and the Giants. Yeah. It's close to a 10. I'll explain why it's not a full 10 in a moment, but it's a, it's the ideal day for me. So as you mentioned, this is not going to be similar to the past GMs. We're just firing out free agency, unloading money right at the beginning, even though Okereke is kind of a different example, you know, kind of goes against that a t tiny bit, but I'll explain why I'm good with that and why, you know, you needed to do that. But this is not that kind of GM. He wants to build through the draft. He's made mention of this like three times to the public and Bob Papa, who said it on his podcast, was speaking to him in the cafeteria one day and Shane's like, look, look, I mean, we have some money now for free agency. Things are going to be better than last year, but this is going to be built through the draft. And that's what all the good teams do. Eventually, I want to get to the point, Nick, where the Giants have drafted so well that they're sitting out this entire day like the Ravens did today. That's the ideal goal for me. You get to a point where you do what the Ravens did. Like last offseason, the Ravens signed a cut Kevin Zeitler, right? Kevin Zeitler, an amazing year for them coming from the Giants. Had like a bounce back great year. I think he made the Pro Bowl for them. Guess what happened when they signed him to that deal? They didn't, it didn't count against their compensatory pick formula. So they actually got comp picks for like the 17th million year in a row. So they're just getting free draft picks. Eventually you want to get to the point where free agency is something where you really don't use it much. You're just resigning your own players, you're drafting and you're signing players who are released that don't count against your comp pick formula. The Giants are not at that point yet though. So they couldn't really use that strategy. The other side that I like of it is the Bengals strategy. The Bengals strategy is you don't go out, you don't go crazy right away with free agents. You don't go for the top of the market guys and you find values and look at what they've done over the years with uh the kid from the same two they got Hendrickson um several other key signings that they've made over the years that's the first one because that was just such a value steal for them but they've made like value steals and free agency and that's the patience model that's the value model and in this scenario the Giants kind of blended those together because they didn't go crazy for a, a Tremaine Edmonds type and Ultimately, what they did here was come out with a goal in mind and execute on that goal. In my mind, this is why it gets such a high grade for day one for me. Their goal in mind was we need to figure out a way to stop the run. We've been we were so bad against the run. We have no options at linebacker. We have no speed at linebacker. We have no athleticism at linebacker. We also don't feel like we have any depth on the defensive line. We felt like whenever we had to take Dexter Lawrence off the field, we were a massive liability. Anyone can remember that clip from the Eagles playoff game where they put in Jelly for one snap and he gets completely derailed and tossed to the ground by uh, Jason Kelsey, I think it was him, or it was one of their interior guys, and then it was a wide-open hole for Miles Sanders. So what they what they came in with was a plan for day one. The plan was we need to get better as a run defense right away, and we need to add speed and athleticism to the linebacker group. And I think that's something they did in day one. They added to their run defense immediately. They executed on that plan immediately. The reason it doesn't get a full 10 for me um, just has to do with the uh, Rochez-Nuchez signing. So I like him. And parts of me likes the idea of getting a player like him. But the other part of me says he's 30 years. He's about to be 30 years old. They gave him a 7.5 million guaranteed. Yeah. A decent sized contract. To me, though, that's where you get the, the bangle side of this thing. The value patient side of it. You wait, you wait, you wait. And in the second and third wave, 
oh, Noches Runez is going to sign for half that price or three quarters of that price. Or if you don't get him, you find someone capable who's like him, maybe younger, maybe a little older, but not going to cost nearly as much. So I like the idea there because I really wanted to share up that run defense. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. Like you said, John Ledyard, who we've had on the podcast, breaking down tape multiple times in the past during draft season, he'll come on again, most likely. He likes his film. He does says he's going to offer nothing as a pass rusher, but that's fine. We didn't want, I mean, we know what we're getting at him. We're getting a much better version of what Justin Ellis and the kid from uh, the Shelton gave them for the past two seasons in the interior of that defensive line. And that's great because they needed that right away. So that's kind of the only reason it doesn't get the full 10 for me, but I love the idea of that of day one of coming out and fixing your run, fixing your biggest weakness right away. In terms of Raheem Nunez Rochez's contract, it's only four million a year, I believe, right? It's that seven and a half million guaranteed. I think it's three years, and uh, there's supposedly a two, yeah, two year out. I think uh, I read, but not all the contract stipulations have been released yet to the public. So if there's anything else in there, we'll definitely report back. If I had to give a grade, I would say like yeah, like a nine, like an eight point five nine, something uh, around there, just because you had to address the interior defensive line, you had to address the linebacker, and it's not a secret. Dan, Joe Shane has said as much. He made it clear we need to find bodies for the defensive line. Dexter Lawrence can't be averaging 55 snaps a game. Dexter Lawrence played 977, I believe it was, snaps last season. That's tied for the third most with BJ Hill and a bunch of other defensive linemen who are 305, 310 pounds. This dude is 350 pounds. He can't be playing that much. You want to keep these guys fresh. You want to have them out there on the most important plays in the most important situations. So finding a guy like Nunez Roches, you're right. Maybe from a contractual standpoint, it's not an A+. plus. We'll have to wait and see with all the stipulations. But in terms of getting that player, that's the exact type of player that I was thinking the Giants were going to go and get. A veteran guy who was just a really sound run defender who is not going to get bullied at the point of attack. I do not want to see the Jacksonville Jags run every single type of running scheme at the New York Giants again. I don't want to see what we saw last season from a power gap standpoint. And getting the linebacker who can actually fit who can scrape over the top of trash and fill like Bobby O'Karake and that defensive lineman who's not going to get moved off the spot in base personnel. That is Raheem Nunez and Roches. I just got to start calling him R&R though, because that's going to get really, really uh, crazy with how fast we talk. That's the way to rectify that entire situation. So on day one, I feel like that's good. Don't need Joe Shane to go out and spend $60 million, $70 million right. on some wide receiver. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> this is what I want it to happen. Yeah, there's only one, there was one way for me to give this day like a 1.0 or a 2.1. If they had signed Jacoby Myers to a 15 million per year contract, that's a 1.1 for me. And I'm like seriously questioning Joe Shane for the rest of the time if that had happened. And that didn't happen. They didn't force anything today. They let it come to them. And you can look at Okereke and you could say, so I want to get into this signing too. And you can look at Okereke and you could say, did the Giants really do the right thing here when TJ Edwards signed for that cheap and David Long signed for that cheap? And the answer for me is yes, for a multitude of reasons. The first and most important reason is, they got the guy that they wanted. They got the guy that they think fit their system best. Here's the thing with Okereke. We're going to go over some stats. We're going to go over some of the tape later on. Neither Nick or I have gotten enough to that yet. But we're going to talk about some of what we know statistically, at least so far. And you can look at his past. But remember, giving these contracts out is a projection. What the Giants are doing here is they're looking at a 26-year-old linebacker. And they're saying, we are making a projection for how he fits in Wink Martindale's system. And for how he fits in Winks Martindale's system, I'm not sure any of these other linebackers would have fit it. TJ Edwards is a guy I love. He plays at Wisconsin. But there's some good points that have been made about him playing in that Gannon system with Philly, which is nothing like the Wink Martindale system. And that's not a great thing. When you take a guy from one system, you move him to another, and you hope that it's just going to translate. Then you look at David Long, the other cheap linebacker signing, who has a ton of talent. And I think at his best, David Long is probably a better player than Okereke. And I think most people who watch the tape and grade these guys would say that. But David Long has had a ton of injuries in his NFL career. And I'm not so sure David Long is the guy that they want to play the specific Mike role in Wink Martindale's defense, like Okereke is. So now you take all those things into consideration – and you say, oh, okay, yeah, those guys got pretty cheap deals, but Okereke was the only guy who they felt was the perfect fit for what they need for what Wink runs. And then you look at it a little further and you say, okay, it's a four-year deal, $40 million, $22 million guaranteed. That's a pretty sizable deal. Still not quite the range of a Tremaine Edmonds who got almost double that on an AAV. I think it was $18 million AAV for Edmonds. Um, who the Giants were somewhat linked to just because of the Joe Shane Bill, Bill stuff, but and 10, 10 mil per year AAV for Okereke. And now I'm looking at a prospect or a player in Okereke who's 26 years old, freakish length. Let's take a look at that right now. 
90, yep, you got it. 98th percentile wingspan and 97th percentile arm length for him, which is great for a linebacker. You want to have that length. You want to have that length so you can get your hands up in pass lanes. You want to have that length so you can cover sideline to sideline. And in addition to that, really, really good foot speed for a linebacker. Four, five, eight, 40 yard dash which is incredible. His broad jump was 76 percentile. This is a super athlete. He had an 8.4 RAS score back when he was drafted in 2019. Six foot one, almost six foot two, 98th percentile wingspan. Got the agility, solid. The explosiveness, pretty good. And you could see it when you watch him. He's a sideline to sideline, rangy kind of prospect. And they linebacker, let's call him. But for the Giants in their scenario, in my mind, Nick, he's a prospect too because they're looking to build him and mold him in a different way in this system because this system that Wink Martindale running is running is different than what he's played in. They believe that he can excel and become a good, better player. And long TLDR here is they signed him not for what he was with the Colts. He can be a much better player with the Giants. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be what Joe Shane mentioned earlier in his in his combine presser. Like, we're looking for a linebacker who can who can shed the blocks of 300-pound lineman and then drop in coverage. He's not Fred Warner. Guess what? No one is. There's If the Giants are ever going to have Fred Warner type on this defense, they're going to have to draft him. And they're going to have to get really lucky in doing so anyway. There's probably two or three linebackers, if anything, in the NFL who could play like Warner. But I don't know that he needs to be this dominant coverage linebacker if he can do all the other things well. Or I should say dominant vertical coverage linebacker. Because I think he can still cover sideline to sideline. It's the vertical routes and it's the one-on-one routes where you're going to have some question marks with him. And I'm not sure he's ever going to get to an elite level there. But if you have everything else from him, he's 26 years old. And what I really like about him, by the way, Nick, he only missed two games so far in his whole four-year NFL career. That's something that they obviously stress, smart, tough, and dependable, but more importantly, dependable. And where did he go to school? Stanford. Stanford. Exactly. That's a little uh, nod to the smart part of that. But you're right. Yeah, and this is going to be Martinez. a different... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blake Martinez, another... He was the last linebacker that I had confidence in over the yeah. last like decade. What linebackers have you really had confidence in who actually played, right? Like Blake Martinez had 2020. He played, he got hurt in 2021. It just seems like the giants have just routinely passed over this position, but now you add Bobby Okereke. He's somebody who I feel like is a true starting three down linebacker. Look, like you said, he's not gonna be Fred Warner covering the seam, but he's not inept. He's a good athlete. He can carry the number three in certain situations or the tight end of mm-hmm. the seam on a vertical route. If Wink Martindale asks him to, but you brought up a really important point. There is somewhat of a projection here because he is a professional football player, no doubt, obviously, right? But Wink Martindale's system is different from Matt Eberflus and from Gus Bradley. And those are the two systems that he played in. Gus Bradley's still playing a lot of cover three. I think he incorporated more cover four like a lot of other defensive coordinators. And Eberflus was a lot of cover two, a lot of middle of the field open. Wink Martindale's going to be middle of the field closed. He's not going to have as many four down even fronts as Bobby Okereke has seen right. when he with those other two teams. So the Giants feel good enough that he's going to transition into a 3-4, if you want to call it that type of system. Again, it's positionless. I like how Wink Martindale says that. And this is a player who wasn't used too frequently as a blitzer. I believe he had 15 pressures in 2021 with one sack. But every other year, it was like, you know, six pressures, three pressures, two. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that he he did too often. But watching his tape, a little bit I saw, and we also saw him pretty extensively against the New York Giants when he elbowed Daniel Jones in the head. He also had he, 17 tackles in that game. He had 17 tackles in that game too. And that was a team that was falling apart. Jeff Saturday lost right. the locker room, right, Dan? And guess yeah. what? That guy was flying around to the end of the fourth quarter. He had a chip yep. on his shoulder, right? So the New York Giants offense is going to probably have a word with him once he gets in. But in all honesty, man, I, I think this is a player who can go forward. If you ask him to blitz, I think he has that timing. I think he has that quick twitch. He probably has a quick 10 yard split. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he definitely seemed like he had that type of ability to penetrate and to loop and to slant and to go forward in a quick manner to where if Wink Martindale asks him the blitz, he can be an asset in that area. But that's not the reason the Giants signed him either. The Giants signed him for one reason, and that's to be the number one linebacker on this team and somebody who was going to be competent enough to stop the run. And that is something Okereke proved throughout his time at Indianapolis. He was, I think, a lot. I think he was a will linebacker in that system because they had um, Darius Leonard, who I believe changed his name to Shaquille Leonard. But he didn't play that much this past year, if I'm not mistaken. Shaq Leonard was out for most of the season. And I believe Okereke was the one who stepped up and assumed that role along with Zaire Franklin. And both of those two were two of the better players on the Colts roster last season. So Giants got one of them. And I think that's definitely a blessing. 
definitely a blessing. And like you said, one thing that he's already done and one thing that they need more than anything. Yeah. Perfect world. You get a Fred Warner type in the middle who can cover the seam the way he can and really impact and change everything you do schematically. That's not going to happen again. There's very few teams who have that, but more important than anything else this offseason was finding a linebacker with the instincts to play the run, with the ability to take the Giants and put them in a situation where they can stop power and gap, where teams aren't just running the same play. Like, Remember when Washington just ran GH counter like over and over again against the Giants, like play after play after. But was that Washington or Philly? One of the teams in the division did that to them. And yeah, you- it was them both. It was both. And then you saw like the Cowboys have that game plan in the second half in that first game where they just were like, we're just running to the edge and perimeter on the Giants. We know we can do this. And now you have a guy who has literally done it at the NFL level, and he's only 26 years old. According to Next Gen Stats, Bobby Okereke generates 75 defensive stops in 2022. That was tied for 10th most among all linebackers. And according to Next Gen Stats, the Giants linebackers combined for just 87 stops. 19 fewer than any defense, which is an insane stat by next-gen stat. The Giants linebackers totaled 19 fewer stops, defensive stops, and that's considered a play that goes for zero or negative yards, a defensive stop. So this guy almost alone racked up more than the entire Giants linebacker core last year. And you also got to think, too, and I'm not sticking up for the Giants linebackers whatsoever. They sucked. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those plays... Anytime the Giants, anytime a team went up against the Giants defense, they were never running right at the linebacker. They were never right. running in the A gap. Every single run was True. to the outside. And Makes all those harder to get a stop. You're right. Well, that, and then they just couldn't scrape, right? So yeah. it was obviously an indictment on their skill sets as well. But I, I haven't watched the Colts defense extensively, but I would imagine they saw more A gap, B gap, more runs down the middle. I know they had DeForest Buckner, but you can get a double team on him. Grover Stewart was a good interior defensive lineman, but we watched Giants tape. No one was running up the middle against Dexter Lawrence, especially when the Giants were in base personnel. It was always to the outside because that was how the Giants, that was how you attack the Giants because our linebackers sucked and their edges were a little, eh, edges weren't the best against the run. At setting the edge, not great, no. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly what happened there. Um, another interesting stat from Bobby Okereke that I that I uncovered from Next Gen Stats. And this one I'm not sure is as as telling, but according to Okere, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, Okereke was tested often in 2022 as a pass coverage linebacker. He faced the most targets of any linebacker in the NFL, 78 which was uh, three ahead of Drake Greenlaw. And he held his own in coverage according to next-gen stats. He allowed minus 2.3 receptions over expected and only 5.9 yards per target. So this is something interesting because he has been billed in some ways as a linebacker who's more of just a run-first type of guy with the ability to play sideline to sideline in the run game but and maybe in that range in the pass game, but maybe not necessarily the overall coverage linebacker you want. But I thought those stats were interesting. They showed that maybe he did a better job than he's given credit for. Well, how many he had four PBUs and in an interception this past year yep. as 11 PBUs, three interceptions in his career. That's pretty good numbers for a linebacker. Yeah. And we're just going off stats, which is stupid. We don't like to do that here on this podcast, but neither Dan or I have had the time to review Bobby O'Karake's film. But I'll get to it probably tonight and and we'll uh, probably have a better, um, better, more comprehensive outlook on who he is as a linebacker once we do that. Yeah, for sure. And in addition to Okereke, the Giants, a couple other interesting things I thought happened with the Giants today. We'll start with Nick Gates signing with the Commanders. 
that was something interesting that was a bit unexpected. The Giants said that at the combine, at least, that they had some initial talks with his agent, but nothing came to fruition there. And let's be let's be fair about it. The commanders offered him a pretty good deal. I think it's north of five million AAV for a player who's coming off a major injury and played last season, but didn't start the whole season. Obviously, the Giants, you know, felt like that was a little bit out of their price range. But now that leaves them in a really interesting spot on the interior offensive line because Gates has now gone for sure. Feliciano remains a free agent. And outside of Feliciano, the Giants don't really have any kind of option right now at center. Maybe you consider moving Ben Bredesen there, but that's not something you can count on by any means. Josh Azudu is supposed to be healthy for camp coming off that neck injury. He'll likely have the first crack at left guard right guard Glowinski, but I need some more depth there at the very least on the interior defensive line. And more importantly, I need an option at center. I don't want to leave it all to the draft. There are some players I love in the draft, specifically one from the university of Wisconsin in round two, but you know, you can't count on those types of things. You can't narrow it down to one or two players in the draft and hope that they hit or hope that they fall into a position where you can draft them. So I'm very curious to see what they do now for the center position after just letting Nick Gates go. Feliciano obviously remains a free agent at this time. Yeah, it was three years, 16.5 million for Nick Gates and the, and just for O'Karakan, I don't know if we ever said the numbers, four years, 40 million. So he's making about 10 million AAV. Those are the numbers that have been released so far. And I think this might suggest at least, Dan, that John Feliciano could be back. And I think it always came down to, and I talked to Ed Valentine about this at Big Blue View. It always came down to, you might retain John Feliciano or Nick Gates. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Giants were going to retain either the contract that the Washington commanders just gave Nick Gates. I think that's just too much money for what the giants wanted to give either of those players. So now with Gates out, that opens up the door for Feliciano to come back. But to your point, even if Feliciano comes back, which is not a certainty right now, I want the giants to get another center. Like if that's in the draft, cool, whatever, but like you need to add more bodies there. And we have not had a center from the New York Giants in so damn long. Like we haven't had a, a true starting center, somebody who actually played center throughout college in quite a while. John Michael Schmitz, the kid from Minnesota, you're probably going to have to pick him at 25. I don't know if that's the best allocation of resources for the New York Giants right now as currently constructed, especially with the defensive backs and the corners that are going to be available at that point of the draft more than likely. So I, I'm, I don't know if that's my favorite course of action. All I know is that they need to find some bodies and they could do that on day two or day three in free agency. I mean, looking at even some of the other free agent centers, Dan, I don't know who else is there the Giants will pursue. That's why I thought it made sense right. to bring Nick Gates back, just not at that number. Uh, yeah, that number was a little too high. I was hoping they were going to bring Gates back over Feliciano, but again, that number was high. Hopefully they can bring back Feliciano for cheaper, which I think they can, as long as they remain patient on this thing. That's the whole thing. That's a, you know, I was very happy with what Joe Shane did today because in the past, the Giants have been the team that jumps out and gets ahead of things and has, we're smarter than you. We found a guy we love, and we're going to sign him, Patrick Omame. We saw the tape. We love him. Players like that. And that's not the way to play this thing. You want to let the market come to you. The second and third waves are the best time to shop in free agency and let Feliciano hit that second and third wave, right? Like, let him test the market get nothing, come back, and you get him for cheaper. But you're right, Nick. They can't go into a season with just Feliciano. I'm completely out on John Michael uh, Schmidt at 25. That would devastate me. I don't find him. Look, let me ask you this question, Nick. You've watched John Michael Schmidt a little bit, right? You watched a lot of Creed Humphrey, right? Yeah. Is he even remotely close to the player Creed Humphrey was? Because to me, when I watch it, I don't see the same kind of impact. No, I liked Creed Humphrey better. I think maybe John Michael Schmidt Humphrey went what, mid-second? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it will carry over to, to this. No, it doesn't. He should have been a first rounder. You're right. I, maybe John Michael Schmitz has has quicker feet on the line of scrimmage than Creed Humphrey. But Creed Humphrey, he was a part of one of the best offensive lines we've seen in a while at Oklahoma. And he was a linchpin to that yeah. offensive line. The fact that he fell that far was a mistake. And I feel like the NFL will acknowledge that. Sure. But I don't think any of these centers are, are quite Creed Humphrey from what I've seen so far. I would take Tipman over over John Michael Schmidt personally. I'm not looking for like a John Michael Schmidt type. That's the thing. I'm not looking for, if I'm going center, I want the impact center. I either want the move guy, like a Tipman mm-hmm. who, can, who can get out in space and help you on power and gap, or like, like a Ragnow from years ago, Frank Ragnow a few drafts ago. Like I want the physical point of attack guy who commands. John Michael Schmidt to me looks like somebody who could easily come to the NFL and be a nothing against NFL defensive linemen. And he was just beating up on big 10 guys. And it's not to say that's what I think he can be. I just don't see it with those types. I've seen so many of these guys come through the kid who the giant, some people wanted the giants to take who Denver got a couple years ago, who fell 
uh, the center oh, the Temple. No, years oh. before that. The oh, yeah. He went to the Falcons. You talking about Matt Hennessy? Hennessy's one of them. And then there was another one who went to the Broncos, like a Hennessy type. These guys who are like, you convince yourself. Uh, you talking about Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU? Cushenberry, Cushenberry yeah. Hennessy. Those, both of those players come to mind for me. And Schmidt's a better player than both of those guys. But I don't see a definite. In, if I'm going center, I want the impact center. Either the move guy like a Kelsey type or the physical Frank Ragnow type of the line of scrimmage, or I'm just not going to invest there. And I'm not sure Tipman can definitely be that out of Wisconsin, but he definitely has some traits. He definitely moves really well. And that's Kelsey is the best center, maybe of all, not of all time, but in of our generation, probably for sure, because he can move so well in space. So I want those types of guys if I'm going to invest in that position. But obviously, the, like you said, the Giants need to do something at center. It can't just be John Feliciano. Yeah, no, that, that that would be a absolute disaster. I'm imagining they're probably going to invest in the interior offensive line in the draft if they don't do so in free agency. Yeah, because Joe Shane seems to be very forward thinking. You can't be in a situation like Dave Gettleman or like Jerry Reese were in, where yeah. you had an offensive line that was aged out, and the Giants aren't in that position. They have two guys who will likely be tackles for the New York Giants for the foreseeable future. Knocking on wood, hopefully Evan Neal develops, but Andrew Thomas is an absolute home run. And then you invested a day two pick and Josh Azudu. So he'll likely be a part of the offensive line moving forward, especially in this season. You would imagine that he would be. You have those developmental pieces like Marcus McKethan and players like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to rely on with that, but the right guard position in the center position, both of those positions are up for grabs for long-term because you say, yeah, Mark, Mark Lewinsky, he's going to be here this year. Mark Lewinsky not going to be here long-term. We all know that he's already in his thirties. Right. He didn't even have that great of tape last season. So I would imagine that the giants are aware of that and they want to invest uh, more. Some of this young, talent that's coming through the draft into that those two positions specifically and center is the one that i i really want damn just because we just haven't had it i'm just done putting guards there and being like yeah. hey learn it and tackles there be like hey learn it by the way i'm gonna bring up for those watching on youtube some rnr highlights we didn't really get to talk too much about his skill set i watched a lot of his film today so i got to his film before uh, Bobby O'Karake's Dan and so why don't you me, why don't you do that now then you can dive into some things you, you saw yeah so to me some of the things I liked about him right these are highlights so he's not going to go out there and do this all the time I want to make sure that that's clear yeah. that's what highlight means but he is somebody who can handle responsibilities as a one gap penetrator or somebody who can two gap and read and that's the thing I love the most about this player is he's not necessarily going to be a starter but he can do either of those things if you need him to penetrate look he is quick he has active hands. He times the snap well. He fires off the ball low leverage. He's only like six foot one. He's not the tallest interior defensive lineman, but he maintains that center of gravity, exploding off the line of scrimmage with good balance and heavy hands to kind of do things like this. And then you have this play. If you're watching right now, he tracks down DJ Moore, similar to what Dexter Lawrence did. I don't know what it is about the Carolina Panthers and getting tracked down to the sideline, but it definitely happens. But you also see Dan. Plays where he can stack, shed, position his hips into one gap, read where the ball carrier is going, discard, make a tackle, or restrict that gap. So he's a gap control defensive lineman as well, although he is quick and he can penetrate. So I like the fact that he has both of those skill sets that whatever Wink Martindale wants to do, he can more than likely execute. And he's only going to have to do this, what, 23, 25, maybe right. 30 snaps a game. So I, I think this was a really good signing, even though the money, I, I'm kind of with you. It's, it's, it's a little bit a lot. Like you can maybe wait and find somebody else, but I think they specifically wanted him maybe because of it's his character, right? Maybe it's because yep. of that infectious personality that he has, or maybe it's just because he can do a lot of different things for your defense. He's one of those guys that won't be heralded. Like he's probably going to win a lot of our unheralded player on the defense. That's what, that's the, the kind of guy that I'm envisioning for the New York giants. And you're right. You brought this up a little earlier. This is a significant, significant upgrade over Justin Ellis and Danny Shelton. Like it's not even comparable. They're different types of players, but this he's only 20, he's 29. So he's getting a little long in the tooth, but you can play interior defensive line for quite sure. a while. I think he's uh, much better than Danny Shelton and Justin Alizar, though. And I like how you said there is like a, a year, an out before year three if he gets to that age where he maybe has a fall off in his play, which we hope won't happen, but you just never know. And I think what you said is really important there. Like they, There was no way they were going to be able to have a good run defense with no defensive line depth. That's like one of the first things Joe Shane said after the season was, I wish we had not been in that salary cap situation where we can barely call up guys from the practice squad. We have so little funds against the cap because we weren't able to add defensive line depth and we knew we needed it. We knew we needed it. And it was so obvious against the Eagles in that game. So, so yeah, it may have played a little bit of a premium here 
for a player who maybe they could have waited it out, and I'm not so certain his mark would be there now. And Okereke, they couldn't have waited out. They found their guy. They like their guy. He's 26. He's rangy. He's athletic. He's long. He's a linebacker, and he has production at the linebacker position with 100 plus 117 or whatever solo tackles. That's crazy numbers. That wasn't a wait and see approach, but a guy like uh, you know Rune, Rucha, Roches Nunez, uh, Quincy Roches Nunez. It's wait, what no, is what, no, no, you're no. close. Nunez Roches, Nunez Roches, is maybe a guy who they could have waited on. But I like what you said. They they feel like he was the guy they wanted for the specific role. And in the end, ultimately, it's not that crazy numbers wise. The cap has gone up to the point where five million dollar contracts are just not that crazy. Exactly. And this is somebody who played like, I would say probably half of his snaps as a nose tackle at 307 pounds. So you are going to stick him as a four eye or a five technique, whatever you want to do, whatever front you want to employ in base personnel, he's going to be able to hold up at the point of attack. I'm not worried about that. And if you want to kick him inside for whatever reason, you can, if you want to spell Dexter Lawrence, because he has that experience in doing so. So I really appreciate that about his skill set as well. And this will be the first of what I think will be multiple interior defensive line signings. I think the Giants will sign another interior defensive lineman in free agency. That one, I think, will be in the second or third wave, though. One-year deal, cheap, 1.2, 2.1 million type of thing, maybe 2.5 type of deal. Um, we also, we, we don't, we, we expect Leonard Williams' contract is going to get lowered down, but what if it's not? Mm-hmm. What if it's not? You yeah. need depth. You need to find right. players. What if something happens in those renegotiations to where Joe Shane's like, yo, we can't figure this out. Like I can't pay this guy. Like who knows what could happen. Mm-hmm. I don't envision that, but it's definitely plausible. And either way, if he's on your roster or not, you need more interior defensive linemen. And think about Joe Shane. Where did he come from, Dan? He came from Buffalo. What did Buffalo do from 2019 to 2021 or 2022? It was draft Ed Oliver. It was draft Gregory Rousseau. It was draft Carlos Boogie Basham. It was draft AJ Epinesa. It was draft a bunch of guys who can be in a cycle. Through your interior defensive linemen, a bunch of long, strong interior defensive linemen or edge rushers for AJ Epinesa, for those who have been uh, listeners of the podcast for a while, they'll get that inside joke. All that, all that to watch Joe Burrow get rid of the ball 1.3 seconds and (laughs) and get crushed by them at home, right? Like, I know, right? I'm telling you, man, pass coverage over what's that little, uh, that greater than side pass coverage over pass brush at this point, at least against the great quarterbacks is they're getting rid of the football fast. But I know what you're saying. He comes from a group, uh, Joe Shane, Brandon Bean. These people want to invest in the interior defensive line. More importantly, they want to invest in the trenches, which I, which I find very important in general. Look, we saw what happened against the Eagles. The Giants lost that game in the trenches. There's no denying it. And in the current setup of the NFC, the way things are, especially if Aaron Rodgers moves out of conference, which could happen at any moment now, I feel like. I got a, a a faulty source today that said the deal was done from somebody I know who knows Robert Sala. And Does he I know text- Trey Wingo too? No, it's a different <laughs> thing. And I texted a bunch of my Jets friends, and now they're really, one of them's really mad at me. Shout out Dave Sarner. You don't listen to the podcast, Dave, but you said my you will consider finding me. He lives in Long Island. He's going to consider finding me and cutting my head off if the deal doesn't go through. So I know how tense things are for Jets fans right now. This is like their Super Bowl. This is the most insane thing that's they, they need this. They really they really freaking need this. So I, and I kind of want it to happen too. It's good. I I hope you want it to happen. I think I've it's, never hated the Jets. I don't really care about the Jets. And more importantly, yeah. that gets Rodgers out of conference. Yeah, I mean that's but more important reason why I giant. want it to happen. Sorry, what'd you say? So that's the primary reason why I want it to happen. Right. Like if he's out of the conference and the Giants find a way to deal with Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, who are probably the two best quarterbacks who are now in the NFC, the Giants could really have an inside track if they get hot at the right time. Like right. who who's a better quarterback than those two right now? Like you got Matt Stafford. Maybe. Yeah. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Like the NFC is pretty damn weak if Aaron Rodgers, even with Aaron Rodgers there. Yeah, they're gonna have Caleb Williams there soon next year. The Falcons, yeah, that's true. Drake, man, they'll have they'll have whoever Panthers select, but we'll see what happens there. But the point I was trying to make anyway, which I which I did two random tangents off of one with Aaron Rodgers was in the NFC the way it's currently set up, you need to be able to beat the two teams that destroyed the trenches. That's the Niners and the Eagles. And the Niners today signed Javon Hargrave, so they're getting even stronger in the trenches on that side of the ball. So now you got the two, these two trench beaters in the Eagles and the Niners. And to some extent, the Cowboys are trench beaters too. Like they're not as the same way on the defense side of the ball, and their offense line is getting a little older. But Tyler Smith had a great rookie season for them, better than Evan Neal by far, and he much drafted, better than Evan Neal. Sucks because he was drafted way later, and we didn't think he was anywhere near 
prospect of Evan Neal, but things happen and he had a better season in year one than Evan Neal for whatever reason. But they're obviously these are teams that win in the trenches. So finding guys like that, you know, even if you have to pay a little bit up for a player like uh Nuchez, is it Roches Nunez or Nunez Roches? I'm gonna it's get it Nunez Roches. So think of the name. So there's only two, there's three words, right? But there's only two letters that start each word. There's an R, an N, and an R. And think about it as a sandwich. And the N goes in the middle, and the R's are on the outside. Okay. Nunez Roches. Nunez. So it's always Nunez Roches. Rakim Nunez Roches. Roches. Okay. Can you roll your R's? No, not not very well. But you kind of did there. It was a little bit, but I mean. I'm giving a, you credit. Okay, I'll take the credit. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, this is this is what they had to do, in my opinion, day one, priority number one figure out a way to stop the run, figure out a way to add athleticism and speed to linebacker. They did both those things. They also had another move we didn't discuss. They brought back Matt Breida, $2.1 million. I'm torn on this one. I like it because I like the player, and I thought he had a great impact. We considered him an unheralded player. He, When they started to use that pony package with him and Barkley in the field, it was great. But at the same time, Nick, it concerns me that they're taking themselves out of the running back market in this draft. And this draft, that running back, man, it's just – there's going to be teams lapping the field with value plays on in round two, three, four, even five at the running back position. I don't want to miss out on all that because we have Breida, Brightwell, and Barkley back here. That means now after Bre the Breida signing, the Giants have now signed two running backs this offseason in Barkley and Breida. That really, to me, signals that it's a lot less likely they're going to draft a running back. And, and you know, maybe next class will be good too. I don't have any clue what the 2024 running back class looks like. But I love this 2023 running back class, man. And it it would be a shame to me if the Giants don't add talent there because we always talk about how are the Giants going to fix this offense? How are they going to add playmakers for Daniel Jones and talent? Well, it doesn't just have to be at wide receiver. It can be at tight end. It can be at running back too, especially since the Giants have shown the willingness to play the pony package. And yeah, I like Brita. He's good. But if they added some serious talent in the draft at running back and they played the pony with Barkley and that guy on the field at the same time, now you have other playmakers on the field. Now you make things easier for Giants for Daniel Jones and you have more explosive play potential. So I just hope this doesn't mean they're out of the market in the draft. I don't know if it does because you have Saquon Barkley right now on a franchise tag. You want True. to get a deal done long term, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. And even with Matt Breida, I don't know the way the contract looks. Can the Giants cut him at the end of training camp with little to no effect? I'm not really 100% sure. And then there's Gary Brightwell, who we like, who's on a rookie deal. So I, I think the team likes him just by the way they've used him. He was an asset as a special teamer, so likely he'll be back. But I don't think it precludes you from going out and, and taking a, a value pick, like a Tajay Spears or a Zach Charbonnet. Maybe those guys are a little bit high, but maybe somewhere on day three. If you like a running back, you could still go out there and get him and then just have a competition and may the best man win. But you're right. It, it doesn't look as likely now that they brought Breida back. But you're also right because Brita, I feel like he had a bigger impact on that offense down the stretch. I don't, I mean, the Giants yeah. probably still win against the uh, against Minnesota in the wild card game, but he had an impact, man. That whole game plan was revolved around the pony personnel package. And a lot of the big important plays happened when the Giants were in 21 personnel. Exactly. That's a great point. And that's why I'm torn on it because I like bringing him back. He was effective. He's fast. He knows the system. It's good. I just, like you said, I hope it doesn't, well, we'll see what happens in the draft because there still are options for them. They could also cut a player like Brightwell, even though he's good on special teams, if they find someone they love in the draft. And that's the thing. You don't have a long-term plan at running back if Saquon Barkley isn't resigned. And if Saquon right. Barkley gets hurt, the Giants aren't relying on Matt. Matt Breed is not a 16-touch right. kind of guy. Neither is Brightwell. And Brightwell, I think Brightwell has more of a chance to be that than, but still. than Matt Breida. But my point is, the running there's still room for another running back to be added to that roster. I don't. I wonder what they think about like Deshaun Corbin, who they who was an undrafted free agent at Florida State. Do they have any sort of affinity for him? How did he develop over the last year? Because that was a name that generated a lot of buzz early in training camp, and then he's he's just an undrafted guy. He's not going to make the roster. I have a new running back prospect, by the way, Nick. That I'm Ooh, starting to warm tell. up big time too. That's going to be more in the mold of the Khalil Herbert call I had from a few years ago. I don't like him as much as Khalil Herbert, but just in the sense that you could get Khalil Herbert in round five, and that's where the Bears got him. I think you can get this guy in round five or four. All right, give me the conference. Yeah, I want to see if you can get this because you might have started watching him. This is, they play, what are they playing now? I think they play in the Big 12. Pretty sure they Ooh, play in the Big 12. The Big 12? Yeah. It's not Deuce Vaughn, is it? 
No, Deuce Vaughn's amazing too. But I think yeah, I think no. Deuce Vaughn will probably be around five or four too because of his size. He'll probably be, you know, so and I love Deuce Vaughn, but this guy I think could actually be a three down back if he hits his ceiling. And yet, despite that, will only go in round four or five because the class is so freaking stacked at running back. Like, you're not going to put this guy ahead of Ataji Spears. You're not going to put this ahead of – there's like nine running backs who, who are ranked ahead of him and probably go ahead of him. And so a 10th running back in the in any NFL draft doesn't go into round four or five. But I really like him, and I'm starting to watch some film on him. And I'm is really it, Was him. he on a very successful team in, in 2022? Yes. Yes. You're talking about Kendry Miller. Yes, I am. Oh, I've watched Kendry Miller. Yeah, I, I love really, Kendry Miller. Too. Yeah. I really like what I'm seeing so far. And he you can get it, you could probably get him on day, on round round four, to be honest, with how stacked his class is. Well, we might do a draft profile on him, so I don't want to read too much, but I have a whole evaluation on on Kendry Miller. I feel like he's slippery. I feel like he is somebody who had like unique contact balance. He bounces off guys like, balance. like a like a pinball machine, man. What a dude. He had a run against Kansas State in the championship game where it was one of the best vision cut. I don't even know how to describe. I'll have to show you it. He, he like, I can't even break this down. I'll show you when we do the profile on him and we'll go over that play. But that was the one that stood out to me when I watched that play. I was like, yeah, this dude has it. I literally have these two or these three descriptors right back to back. Get skinny through holes, runs through arm tackles, dangerous, slippery ability in space has tricks up his sleeves, spins, jukes. You don't really see it coming. Powerful enough to lower his shoulder and fall through contact, elusive enough to spin away from contact. Yep, that's exactly what I saw out of him. And I saw the like you said before, the contact bounce. That's always the trait I look for the most with these running backs. It's my favorite and trait in a running back. TCU running back. He did not play in the national championship game. He was injured. Yep. TCU running back Kendry Miller. Again, stacked running back class. So this dude will probably be available round four, if we're gonna be honest. Maybe even round five, the way this thing goes. It's it's just so many running backs that are sick in this class. So again, we'll see what happens with the Breida signing, but I hope it doesn't preclude them from adding running back talent because a lot of people listen to that and be like, wait a second, Nan, Dan and Nick, didn't you, aren't you guys the ones who say you didn't, weren't all in on re-signing Barkley to a five-year contract, yada, 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 paying all this money. Those are two separate things. Drafting running backs and re-signing them to second deals are completely separate things. I am in the business of drafting running backs. I just have a certain strategy for it. I let them play out their rookie contract and I get rid of them before they fall off. It's a different, it's the only position I would play like that, by the way, but which is kind of how it is. The reason why we wouldn't re-sign Saquon Barkley is because we would draft somebody. It's all about the rookie right. contract. That's what it all comes down to. Rookie yep. contract and shelf life. That is why Dan yep. and I are such big believers in selecting running backs somewhere on day two, late day two, day three, just not in the top five. Yeah, and more importantly, don't try to allocate cap to them. But look, they love Barkley as a leader. They're going to give it a go, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the duration of his contract or 60% of it, whatever it ends up being when he when he signs that deal. Because I do think the Giants will come to – uh, terms of the at least a three-year deal with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. We'll see what ends up happening there. Um, one more thing, Nick, before we close out here from day one for you to see for the Giants recap. Julian Love not re-signed by the Giants yet. Safety market heating up in a lot of ways. The Bengals just lost both starting safeties. I've seen Love have ties to the Bengals who might look at look to get him. What are your thoughts on Julian Love, his market? What's going to happen here with the Giants and Love? Joe Shane has addressed the safety position in some of his press conferences saying how deep it was in free agency and in the draft. Yeah. I think they like Julian Love. I think Julian Love is a team leader. I think they would resign Julian Love if it was six, maybe even seven. But I think his market's more like 10, 11, somewhere around there. Like what Marcus uh, Williams got last year from the Ravens. Mm. So I think they're going to let Julian Love go more than likely. Judy Batista on NFL Network said that he has a robust market. And I was thinking he would go to the Bears because he's from Illinois. I think his girlfriend's from Chicago. He's very affiliated with that city, right? Went to Notre Dame, which is in Indiana, but still it's in that general area. But the Bears went out and they spent all their money, it seems like, right? They just went on a spending spree. Julian Love is still a free agent. I don't think Julian Love will be back with the New York Giants. I think the Giants are probably going to sign another free agent at the position, a cheaper one who can fill the role and possibly draft someone. And I'm curious as to how this front office views a player like Dane Belton, who similar to Micah McFadden, both day three picks by this regime who seem to have rocky rookie seasons. They still couldn't believe that those players are going to be assets moving forward. I'm just not 100% certain about that, but I'm not optimistic about Julian Love returning to New York. And I do think that will be a loss because I'm a fan of his game. Yeah, I'm probably with you right there. I'm not all that optimistic about returning because it's a little different situation than the Slayton situation, who also wasn't re-signed by the Giants today, Darius Slayton. Because 
in love situation, there has already been, the market's already been dictated at safety. Several safety deals have already been signed. That market's going, it's rolling, that the market value has been set. So it could be a matter of hours right now before Julian's love signs with another team. And we already know from what we've seen from Joe Shane, he's not playing the Gettleman game. He's not playing the Reese, Jerry Reese game. He's going to wait a lot of this out. He's a tough to go to wait it out to the last out a minute with Daniel Jones contract. Right. And then played that Barkley deal the same way. Like to the point where if we didn't get that Jones deal in Barkley was going to hit free agency, we're going to be able to tag him. And we didn't care. Joe Shane, I'm saying as the we here, he didn't care. Like he was playing at a certain hard style. And so I think he's going to have that same hard style with all his negotiations for the players he's resigning. Julian Love, Darius Slayton. So in Slayton's case, the longer this wide receiver market drags out, the better for the Giants, because at that point, they have a better chance to bring him back. They'll have a, first of all, they'll have a clearer idea of where they sit from a salary cap standpoint, where they sit from a roster standpoint, because all the, all their plans and free agency will already have been settled. They'll know who they could have got. They know, they'll know who they did get. Like in cases like Okerke and, um, Q and R, what are we calling him? Uh, R and R R and R R and R rest and relaxation, whatever it is. Um, that's what I think about when I hear R and R, but, uh, <laughs> but they'll already have their plans set and, and played out by that point. Then you could resign a guy like Darius Lane, but, but I think Julian Love potentially signs before that point for the Giants where they've let everything play out and they've waited it out. So I would probably guess that you're right in that one, in that regard. So Jesse Bates, I just looked up his contract. Yeah. It was a four-year deal with $16 million per year. Wow. Is that correct with the Falcons? I that's think that's what Rap Sheet. I think that's what Rap Sheet tweeted. I'm seeing a screenshot of Rap but Sheet. Jesse Bates is definitely another level ahead of Love. That's my point. Honestly, so it's dude, gonna be I would argue more Marcus more Williams is a much better safety than Julian Love. I would much rather have a Marcus Williams than a Julian Love. Williams can patrol the deep hat. I, I, I don't know. If just Love's don't have him that cover, kind of money. I'm way out on Love. Just don't have him cover Steph Diggs along the side. No, yeah, <laughs> <that one. laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, but he, but they like that signing, and he was really good. I don't know yeah. if Love's in that price range. It's probably not for me. I would say. I think Love is going to yeah. be somewhere between like like 10, 11, maybe. Even I'm that not thing, I'm out on that range for him personally. As am I, as am I, yeah, especially if it's, I haven't gotten to the film of a lot of the, the safeties in this class, but if it is as deep as Joe Shane has suggested, then I'm certainly interested. That's a position though. If love does vacate, that's another position that you need to just automatically be like giants are going to be in this market. I think they would replace it with a, with a veteran though in the draft. Yeah, I would, I think you're right with a veteran because I don't know. I mean, Joe Shane said it's a deep safety class, but I haven't really seen too much buzz yet on the safeties. I haven't put any real attention to it because it's not yeah. not in the immediate needs for the Giants and I'm focusing on other positions for now. But I don't know. Just looking at the overall board and stuff like that from all the just research I've done so far on the draft, it hasn't seemed like that great of a safety draft for me. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm working through the cornerbacks right now. And that's I watched Deontay Banks today. That's a guy Dan Schneier is going to like. Oh, nice. Because I think that's a guy Wink Martindale is going to like. So that's a good sign. I have all the movement skills, athletic ability, fluid hips, all, all the stuff that you need. It's just 2021. He missed basically that entire season uh, after the Howard game in week two with a shoulder injury, which is something that I, I'm not a huge fan of, Dan. I don't like seeing these corners with shoulder injuries. It reminds me of Sam Beal. True. That ruined his whole career. Um, so we'll see that. That's Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland, just so those who are following along. But yeah, that's all we have for today right now on the day one recap of Giants free agency. Big signings today. We're okay. Okay. R&R, who we're calling him now, Brita. They let uh, Nick Gates sign with the Commanders, and everyone else so far is in holding period. So hopefully no news broke is the time we were recording this, but we'll be back as soon as we have more news on the Giants. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.